Hello, and welcome to the Ecommerce Source Podcast. My name is Andy Solhoff. I'm here with my friend and business partner, Tim McDougall. Tim, what is up today? My my anger, Andy. My anger's up <laughs> as we near the end of the year. It's <laughs> angry. Okay. Anger. Well, uh, um, anger. I'll explain why in a minute. I'll explain why in a minute. It's all good, though. Yeah. Yep. Well, I uh, appreciate everybody tuning in today. We uh, Last week on the podcast, we covered bold predictions from 50 pound bows and uh going into 2023 what are the crazy things that we think might happen and today might. and might's the operative word there right so yeah those are things that might happen but but if we made them bold if we were true to our word and made them bold predictions more than half of those probably are going to be wrong oh yeah and, and won't won't come true right because that otherwise we were being safe that's that's what the nature of a bolt it's things that it was things that May happen, maybe aren't likely to happen, but could was last week. Yes. Like, like, will Amazon buy the Lakers, right? <laughs> which still, which could happen. I think it's, I wouldn't put money down. I wouldn't bet my house on it. It could. But then this week, what do we do, Andy? We went, we, we fired up 50 pound boats in labs, right? We did, we did a big research project mainly because clients were all on vacation and we didn't have as many meetings. So, um, we did a big research project and we went through, Everybody else's list of 2023 e-commerce trends, not bold predictions, yep. but just what they said the trends would be. And so we're last week was kind of a, okay, here's the crazy things that could happen. Some bold predictions this week is more about, okay, what are the things that everybody else is saying are probably going to be the trends you watch and, um, methodology. Let's talk methodology for a second, right? We, we, so we, this is deep, deep methodology, right? We went to Google. And we typed in 2023 e-commerce trends. So everybody following? I don't want to get too technical yeah. on this. Google 2023 e-commerce trends. <laughs> yeah. And just looking at overall, I don't know about you, Tim, but one of the first things I did after we recorded the podcast, even before the podcast last week, is kind of looking at you know what people are saying out there. They did a surface level cursory look here. Uh, and I think, you know, as you and I were talking, there's some interesting things that are coming up in these articles that, you know, if you're looking at the 2023 e-commerce trends that are showing up or not showing up. And I think that sort of is what, what where this podcast was born from is how, yeah. what are people, what are other people saying? What, and, what's everybody else saying? You know, what's everybody else saying? And what, and, and that's where part of my anger came from going through some of these. Cause that's a great topic, right? What are 2023 e-commerce trends? That's a topic that a lot of people are looking for because it's, it's supposed to be helpful. If you're looking at this, you want insight. You want to get some help. And some of the articles, and we looked at the top 12 articles that showed up on search results, right? Nothing more complicated than that. Our our deep methodology was going to Google, searching for 2023 e-commerce trends and picking the top 12 lists that showed up. And it, there, you know, Shopify's on there, Oberlo's on there. There's a bunch of really good sources. There's also, and here's where my anger came up, like the number one, I'm not going to name them because I don't even know who these people are, but the number one article that comes back in that list was a complete pile of crap. It had stuff like, <laughs> it had stuff like, hey, social media is emerging and advertisers are starting to get on Facebook and Instagram. So if your brand's not there, you might want to think about going on that new, new emerging platform. <laughs> and it was completely something that had probably been written in 2015. In fact, I went in the Wayback Machine and it was written around 2015, right? You can still you can go back and find it. They've only changed the article slight bits every year, but there was just some sloppy stuff that was in the very top of search results that a lot of users, a lot of people trying to get help are going to, and and they're hearing about this new platform called Facebook advertising, 
in your 2023 e-commerce trends list. And yeah, that's where some of my anger was, was how is this kind of sloppy crap at the very top of the list? It was the very top of my search results. Um, and so going through it, I was forced to read some sloppy crap. Also some really good stuff too. So we'll just go, but we'll yeah. go through it all here, right? What we did is we took the top 12 articles. We listed every e-commerce trend that they said was going to be one of the big trends. And some had like seven, some had 20. Uh, but we listed them all and then we categorized them and we said, okay, let's, let's go through in the order of which ones had the most mentions. So uh, which, which topics had the most mentions and let's talk to the f- top couple ones with, with our spin on it, which is one, how likely is it? Um, and these are trends that people are saying are the most likely trends from the top 12 most popular articles on Google, right? Um, how much is this just a, an NSS or a no shit Sherlock? Um, it's just so completely obvious that why there's no insight here. And I think our second one up or something like that is one of those. Um, and then what's really probably most important is how relevant is it to the small, medium sized e-com sellers that are really our people that are really the ones mm-hmm. that we spend our days with. Right. And by small, medium, we're talking, you know, I say we probably, we work with uh, companies that are as small as three people and as big as 250 to 300 people. It's kind of where they kind of match out. So, and that's, you know, you're not a small company if you're 300 people, but you're not, you're not Coca-Cola either at that point. Right. So, um, yep. so there's some decent sized operations with some decent budgets in there, but, but small to medium size, you're still making choices about what you prioritize. You're, you're not going to try and do everything. Um, so what's relevant to, to our people with that, which is kind of who we think about every day and who we work with. So, um, that a good, anything from how we approach this, Andy, that we, um, I left out there. No, I think let's let's okay. jump into it. So I'll, I'll kick kick us off here. So the the number one most referenced trend for 2023 was consumers and brands will move more towards green, sustainable products and businesses. And this was in ten of the twelve uh, big e-commerce trends to watch in 2023, right? Ten of the twelve pieces. So we'll kind of do rapid fire here. I, you know, mm-hmm. my take on this. Uh, is how true is this? Uh, I think the it's true. consumers are becoming more and more conscientious of their, you know, the products that they're using and their impact in the environment. I think we're coming out of a uh, an environment with inventory where a lot of times people were not that able to be or were not able to be that choosy with their products. They weren't able to say, I want all of these, you know, green and organic and uh, very sustainably produced products. You just needed stuff. So were you, how picky were you? So you're saying during the pandemic or during the inventory when goods were short, people were just getting what they could, right? Okay. That's fair. Yes, exactly. And we should say we work with a lot of, go ahead, Andy. I'm sorry. Yeah, we do. We work with a lot of the the green and sustainable products and they were having trouble sourcing things and, you know. Uh, if you have the option to go with a green or a sustainable option, you, you might might choose that one. But um, I think that might become a more of a trend in 2023. But that's kind of been on a on a trend list for a long time. Like like it's been sure. that was my how true is it? It's true, but does it you know does it warrant being on a big trends list because it's true to the same extent it's been true for the last six seven years probably right? Mm-hmm. I don't see, and much as we love green, sustainable products and, and, you know, we make some of our own products and they're also green and sustainable, but, um, and you know, the interest becomes a little bit better every year, but there's nothing hockey sticking it up at this point that I can see. There's no big jump 
Um, and again, this is something that's on the list every year. So it's how true is it? Yeah, it's true. How much does it make a difference? And if I would, if maybe not much. Um, and and how much of this is kind of a no shit Sherlock kind of thing, our, our NSS terms. And because it's been on the list every year and it doesn't really change that much, it is kind of into that, you know, how big a deal is it? Um, you know, if you're a green, making green or sustainable products, it means your market gets better. The one interesting point, there was one of the articles got into a little more detail on that that I found interesting, though. And what they talked about was the consumer interest is going to keep gradually inching up in green, sustainable products. But there's two caveats. One, this is one of the things people like to talk about. Consumers will talk about is a big deal in their choices. But when they actually go make their choices, oftentimes they don't follow through. Um, you have your core like green warriors, people who will just like they were they're always going to go looking for that. and They're not going to buy if it's not green, sustainable. And then you have a large and growing portion of the audience going to say, well, they they would buy that. They're going to be more likely to. But the behavior doesn't always follow. Right. Um, but part of what uh, one of the articles got into was, hey, the, what's going to become much more important is the clarity of the message around, you know, how clear is it to people that you really are green or that your products really are green? Because there's what has hockey sticked up is skepticism to people's green and sustainable claims. And the default now has moved in 2022 to uh, customers saying, yeah, you're going to say you're green, but we don't trust that you really are until you prove it. Um, and so the clarity and the obvious, the, how, how clean is your proof that you really are becomes more important. Um, and that's kind of a reaction to a lot of greenwashing and a lot of kind of, you know, BS stuff from different companies and things like that. Yep. That part I thought was interesting. Andy, how yep. relevant is this for small and medium sized business sellers? So I think it, it's definitely relevant. Uh, I think I do like your point on really honing in your messaging and being clear on your stance as it relates to uh, green and sustainable products. Uh, and I guess I would just say that for the small, medium sized businesses, is got to understand the value uh, proposition of your product in the marketplace. Yeah. Mm -hmm. If you are, if if that becomes part of your value that you're trying to sell, does the consumer agree? Uh, and if they can, they see it even right. Yeah, as we have like an example, we're very close to. We have a partner who launched um, packaging that was actually is better for the environment. Um, and they're a very good ethical, high ethics company, right? Uh, the issue was explaining why it was better and why you as a customer should pay more was not clear. Um, and so they you know, invested a lot in a more expensive package that was better for the environment, but had a really hard time. And we tried to help too. It's not like it's all in them, but, we, but trying, it was complicated why it was better. And it wasn't the kind of story that people could see easily. So, um, you know, and that's the clarity that, that struck home to me when, when that was in one of the pieces about how clear is your message? Cause if you want to get value, if you just want to be more green to be more green, then you should, that's your values. But if you want to get value out of that from a bottom line standpoint, from a customer standpoint, how clear is your green message is really important out there. And that's yep, absolutely, absolutely. And understanding, you know, like just to your exact point, you got to make sure that uh, if you're going to in, uh, increase costs, that there's increased value out of that perceived value and customer what people actually spend on. And that's that's and a tough, thing, easy, tough right? thing. Yeah. 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 
it's one thing to have a have a have a white paper in your building that's that's a twenty page white paper that explains why this is better. It's another thing trying to fit that into a Facebook ad in a yes. in, a, in a couple words. Yep, and that's that's kind of a big difference there, and and that's going to be a challenge. Uh, the next one on the list, the, this was on eight of the twelve lists, is that voice shopping will increase. Uh, can I start? Because how true is yeah. this? Yeah, I don't even think this is true. I think this this was on two thirds of the list. I don't think it's true. The fourth quarter was filled with a lot of uh, a lot of analysis and a lot of write ups saying that Amazon's lost ten billion dollars on Alexa. Is thinking about abandoning voice shopping because it's never really paid off. It's never it's never come close to what they predicted it might do. Um, that others are walking away from uh, you know uh, Cortana is kind of being abandoned. Oh yeah, the, all yep. these kind of voice shopping things that have high hopes. They've been on this list every year, but it's never panned out. And you start to see companies starting to back away from them. I don't, I don't know why this is on everybody's list. <laughs> so help me, Andy. Why is this on everybody's list still? I don't get it. Like it's like people, uh, you know, in 1950 predicting that the Cubs were going to win the World Series and doing that every year until 20 whatever 17 when they actually won the World Series is like if you could keep predicting, eventually it's going to come true. Like because I, I, yeah, I still believe there, there is a future in you know, voice shopping, voice commerce, how that evolves. I, I think it needs to take a leap before we get there. Uh, so I, I really do think that it's it's seriously one of those things that, that like Amazon keeps investing this money into it. Eventually, we're going to predict this and it's going to be true, right? That's that's my take on it, at least. And, and by the way, as a lifelong Cubs fan, since I was a wee, a wee tiny baby, 2016, Andy, let's, I, I couldn't let that go. I could not let that go. Anybody would if I have relatives listening to this, they would call me if I didn't correct on that. 2016, four to three over the Cleveland Indians. Greatest baseball season ever. <laughs> <laughs> and if you just would have started predicting that the Cubs were going to win the World Series when you were yeah. born, eventually, uh-huh. you know, you were you would have gotten yeah. it right. So this, this that to me is, you know, <clears throat> my my dad turned 80 this year. He got to get he got to see one Cubs World Series championship. You know, that that's it's a big deal yep. when that happens. Um yep. but back to this, it's like you know, you know, how much of a NSS, how much of a no shit thing is this? Well, it actually might not be true. So I don't think it's even a you know, if this this almost is, feels like it feels like a bold prediction that wandered into their um here's e-commerce trends that are definitely going to happen list somehow because it had been there in the past. Uh, and that's mm-hmm. one of my, one of my mini rants on these lists is it tends to be, they tend to do a lot of carrying over of prior years list without recognizing that sometimes things have changed. Um, yeah. So yeah. that's, and how relevant for small to medium sized businesses? I don't think it's relevant at all. I, I, I honestly, I, uh, yeah. I, I can't figure out, you know, we've done some research on this, but how do I optimize my product or my business for voice search? I mean, it's probably yeah very specific products that are most are going to be the first adopters of voice search. So your average small or medium sized business probably doesn't need to pay attention to this, at least for their first. Game. It's one of those things. It, it it doesn't hurt, except it hurts and you have limited resources to spend on different things. And exactly. it's not it doesn't rank for me after multiple years of this not panning out and then the big people pushing it, walking away some yet. Yeah, it means I, I think we can move on from that one. Yes. Oh, the next one, the next one is what inspired the whole no shit Sherlock question. Though. <laughs> so the next one on almost every list is, is more e-com will be done on mobile. This has been true by the way, every year for the last every year since 20, 
2013, 2014, somewhere. It's been true every year. So it's not a hard one to put on your on your list of what are going to be big trends because it's just going to continue to move more mobile, right? Um, so how true? Yes, of course, it's true. It's going to happen. More people are going to be shopping on mobile each year. Um, search and you know traffic has already been very dominated by mobile. Conversions are usually stronger on desktop than they are mobile. Uh, but traffic has been mobile dominated for a long time. This is not new news. Um, it wasn't exactly super brave and insightful to put it on the list. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, is there anybody out? I mean, I guess I guess somebody new to this. Like we're not new to it. We think about it all day, every day, right? Um, maybe somebody new to this. This is news. And I should also say in here that even though we know this is not news, we know that more and more is going mobile. We still talk to people like when we're onboarding a new client right who hasn't looked at their mobile site in four months oh for sure for sure or hasn't looked at their listing on amazon on their phone ever right so it's probably newsworthy because of that right because it's even though we all acknowledge it we don't change our actions to reflect it all the way yet yeah i mean i'm been doing website projects for 12 years probably uh and the default place where people look at their website is a desktop when you're developing it. People yep. very tough to go to your mobile phone, but it's funny as a consumer, it's the exact opposite. So I, I think, you know, how is this relevant for small and medium sized uh, businesses? Uh, I think uh, it, the no shit Sherlock is the, the sort of the g- general trend. If there was more mm-hmm. sort of meat to this and, and sort of talking about, you know, uh, tactics for, you know, uh, looking at how your uh, website looks like yeah. on an iOS device, right? I, I've seen some of the sites that I've worked on, 65, 70% uh, of traffic overall comes from an iOS mobile device. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, so h- how, what strategies are you using? What technology are you using to, uh, on your website to cater to that iOS device? So you know, the sort of the extension of this is how, how relevant it is to small businesses. It's incredibly relevant because you can do things on your website that can make it easier for them on an iOS device always. So I think easy sort of low hanging fruit for 2023 is to start looking at some of the, what those changes might be. Yes. So as a trend, it's like something we can all say yawn. We all know, but also mm-hmm. our behavior doesn't always reflect it, or at least when we work with new partners we know the behavior doesn't know or even older partners have a hard time oh yes i know i'm supposed to look at this in mobile that happens mm-hmm. a lot the one uh, the interesting point brought up and this was brought up in only one of the 12 pieces right was was a sidebar on progressive web apps um, which is oh. a trend which is interesting to me right because that's and progressive web apps are basically things you can do to your mobile website that make it feel like a standalone app that make it up because a standalone app always operates better but then nobody wants to download it or maintain it or anything else so um you know you'll get better traffic clearly on a mobile website but mobile websites don't operate the best right so the idea of building out better suites or shopify for example taking on a much more progressive web app approach of trying to make it feel like if you go to the Grown ass man company store, which is our own, one of our own stores, right? If you go there and having it feel like you're on an app that's all self contained and not a mobile adaptation of a desktop site and making that easier to get to, um, there's the overall thought and direction of that is, is important. 
Um, and Tony Derrico decided this was going to be a bigger, there was much more emphasis on the dev side and on like platform developers on achieving this kind of end for 2023. Yeah. And I, I will say, so uh, Shogun front end uh, was a trend, I think last year, earlier this year. Uh, so Shogun front end is a, as a progressive web app uh, that's supposed to improve site speed and, and be a huge trend. Mm-hmm. Um, I think. Uh, this comes into headless a little bit too, right? Headless headless starts to enter this conversation too, because I think some people are just trying to make like, okay, let's make Shopify a better progressive web app is one approach. The other is, no, we want to go headless. So we don't, we have a total mobile dedicated front end that's divorced from the back end that keeps track of inventory and handles payments. And it'll yep. be, you'll be, we'll all be better off when we get to that. So there's, there's, a, I, I don't know if the world will go headless or not, but there's a big healthy debate around what's the right path to get to a better mobile experience. And, 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 and really tying this to small and medium sized business, businesses, uh, progressive web apps and, and Shogun front end are incredibly powerful solutions. Uh, but I believe, uh, they are, uh, incredibly, uh, expensive as well. Yes. Um, yes. Because obviously they have uh, developer costs and things that go into it. So I've even seen that larger businesses, those businesses doing uh, 20, 30, 50 million dollars a year in e commerce sales are like bordering on the, is that it doesn't investment make worth sense, it? Right. So if yeah. you're a small business, if you're doing probably less than 10 or 20 million dollars a year in e commerce sales alone, probably not all that applicable. Uh, as a progressive web app, yes, yeah, it's worth saying that yeah, progressive web apps, progressive web apps, or uh, a headless kind of configuration, the upfront dev costs are much higher. So, if you're a small business trying to choose what you focus on, well, let me get Shopify. Let me bet on Shopify making improvements over time, and let me just do that so everything's in one place. I my dev my dev costs are low, and I can spend it more on the other things I need to spend time and money on. Uh, yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's Absolutely. a very good point that this is probably a wave of the future, probably a wave where more enterprise level uh, sellers are going to be operating for small and medium sized businesses, probably a, a ways farther out before this becomes a relevant question. Yep. Yep. Somebody will develop a $20 or $50 a month solution that will help improve your site speed and have it run like a progressive web app. But I don't think it's going to be in 2023. Yeah. And you just plug and play it. So mm-hmm. let's go on, and this has become bigger news lately with the Shopify. I'm sorry, with the LastPass uh, break that's kind of still in the news, and I'm still getting updates in email about from LastPass about here's the latest on our break and everything, and and there's you know real discussion around do you switch soft password protectors and things like that. But this is this became a hotter topic, but it's around data protection and particularly the term zero party data, which is kind of one of the hot buzzwords that's emerged. I mean, it's probably been around for a while, but it's only emerged where I've become more aware of it this last year. Um, mm-hmm. So how big do we think uh, increased concerns about data protection? And this is consumer. This isn't passwords as much. This is more consumer data, um, which does involve kind of break-ins of LastPass because then people can go in and get stuff. But Well, and can you just real quick to so make sure my understanding of zero-party data is is party that is shared directly between the customer and the business that yes. they're interacting with. Is yeah, that, that's what we should clarify. Because we put that in the notes, right? So we should clarify. It's Yeah, it's data shared directly with by the customer to the organization with the explicit customer's consent. So it's not just, so data on, hey, you went from this page to this, or that's not, that's first-party data. It's not zero-party data. Um, 
uh, and you know, so everybody knows third-party data is data you kind of source from somebody else's traffic and site. Um, First-party data is data you get directly on your own site, and then zero-party data is directly from the consumer with their consent. Um, and so, yeah, I'll, I'll say I think this is going to be a big deal and a big discussion in 2023 around how much data use and how much control should consumers have over their own data, and it's become a this of all the issues on this has become this is kind of hockey sticked up in consumer concern quite a bit, um, and you can kind of see some of that going on. And I think always data protection is always data safety has always been on these lists, but I think there's an extra kind of wrinkle to it this year. How relevant for small, medium-sized business sellers, though? And that, that's where I run into my question of what do you if you want to say, hey, I'm a I'm a I'm a mid-size or a small business, I want to do zero-party data. I don't even know how you get there just yet, though. You can say you believe it, but what are you going to do? See, and this is where we've talked a long time with a lot of our partners around. Okay, how do you get more information from your customers? And so we've done. Yeah, you do surveys. You ask for birthdays in exchange for a, uh, you know, they get a discount on their birthday or or, or things like that. Um, so, but I I don't see anybody wanting to be fully reliant on that to help them sell. Um, and. I don't see anybody ignoring the data that Facebook gives you, Google gives you, Amazon gives you, Shopify gives you, because it's not zero party and you didn't ask anybody, you didn't ask. So not not that I'm, and I believe that consumers should have more control over their own data. From a small, medium-sized business, though, you're using those platforms either for traffic or for conversions. And all of those include a lot of data that's by definition not zero party. Yes. And I don't see anybody using those platforms walking away and say, we're just going to ignore the data and keep selling. Because mm-hmm. you, li- you really can't, right? Like we found this out with Facebook, uh, obviously, when iOS 14.5 yeah. went through is like the, the conversion data that uh, Facebook was collecting from iOS devices and iOS users. Uh, you know, Facebook advertisers are heavily reliant on that to, to be successful. Yes. Uh, so I, I guess uh, from my perspective, what I'm trying to break out is between consumers is uh, if I, as a consumer, uh, how much awareness do a general consumer? I think we probably are a little bit uh, biased on this because we're obviously we're in the industry, we, but we spend more time in it than, than, than the average civilian. Yes. Quite a bit. Right. And then uh, figuring out is okay. Is are the, are, you know how much outrage is there of of people that uh, I could use to run a performance max campaign or some of these other other campaigns because realistically right it, it was it was uh uh facebook sort of protecting their own interests in in those big businesses it wasn't consumers i don't think was driving the outrage on this around customer data as much as it was you know sort of big yeah uh, well some of the original outrage did happen over facebook the whole cambridge analytica thing that broke in it would have happened in 2016 2015 but it broke in the story broke in 2017 or 2018 um, and so that's driven a lot of the consumer outrage is just realizing how much data facebook that exposed how much facebook was collecting and they've had to dial it way back and i think that's facebook's trust rating has dropped dropped then has never really recovered so there's there is a consumer side to it I just don't know if you're a small to medium sized business, what actions you take, because you're mm-hmm. not going to say, I'm just, I'm never going to open the analytics panel on Shopify. Um, I'm never going to look at my audience data on Amazon. You're, you're not, it's not going to, I'm, I'm going to run Facebook ads, but I'm never going to look at the metrics. 
which is kind of what you'd have to do to say you wanted to use to go full zero party data. Um, yep. Now, you're not using any identifiable. If you're looking at Facebook back and looking at ad metrics, you're not looking at any identifiable data. And that may be the line where you say it's not identifiable to, viable to a person. But you know, behind the scenes, Facebook's using still whatever data it can get about that individual to target things. And that mm-hmm. individuals have not consented to that collection either. Uh, same thing with Google. Uh, you know, Google has tons of information about you, and you have not consented to give Google it, Google all that information to use. Um, and so I, I kind of feel like this is something there's going to be a lot of sound and fury on, but there's a lot, there's not a lot of practical actions that people will take. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't see sellers saying I'm going to give up all the benefits of this data and watch my business crash because I'm just going to fly blind because I'm going to. I'm going to follow my sword on this. Yep. 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 Um, yep. Yep. Let's jump through the last couple here, right? Cause we're, 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 we're pretty deep in now social shopping and social selling. And, and, and that's a cousin to It's not the same thing as live selling and live purchasing, but those are, it's related because a lot of it happens via social. Let's, let's kind of lump those all in as one. This was on most lists. I think this was on seven of the 12 had this. Yeah. Seven of the 12 lists had, this is a big trend for 2023. How true? How how much of an impact do we really think this this is? So I think the reality of the situation is that social selling and and shopping has always been something that happens, right? Is is if you have a a child or a pet or something and you need something, it's very common for you to go and ask. Uh, you know, you're well, talking about in meat space, right? In non digital space, well, yeah, this kind of yeah, social selling, in, yeah, just in the real world. I mean, that it happens uh-huh, all yeah. the time, right? And and I think mm-hmm. uh, when I was reading through this, the, the the thing that I kept, you know, thinking about is like, okay, what are the platforms or methodologies that are going to enable e- e-commerce sellers to be able to use this more? And I think about the trends that we're talking about in terms of uh, influencers and content creators and and things like that. That, um, I just I don't know how solid it that all is it, it yeah. you know we are seeing different ways of, of this happening so I, I think yes i think this is this is true social proof and social selling uh is something that we will see more of in 2023 but it's not like there's this new platform that just makes it super easy for small and medium-sized businesses no. and, and what this is really to clarify what it's it's the process of going on and like somebody directly selling and this happens to some extent with influencers, but you know, hey, I'm wearing this. I'm wearing this great jacket. And here's a link to go buy it right now, or a live, uh, you know, a, a live. Uh, and, and Amazon and Facebook have both tried to put a lot of these in, right? So Amazon, we and we do the Amazon live posts with most of mm-hmm. our partners, um, not because we think it's going to pay out a ton right now. We're more doing it to kind of make sure we understand the process, the workflows, the goods and bads of it. And it, and it's going to get a little extra in sales, but it's not a huge. It's not like a huge home run. If if we stop doing it tomorrow, it's not going to dramatically change anybody's sales curve. But we're doing it with the hope that uh, we see Amazon and Facebook. By the way, are the two biggest ones in this, and probably Shopify with some of the changes they're making jumps into it more too. That they're going to keep investing in it. It may end up being like uh, voice <laughs> voice uh, purchasing, or where it kind of. A lot of hype and it never quite pans out or maybe something that everybody kind of figures out amazon's going to continue investing for a while in it mm-hmm. um and so to me is it a big trend the big trend is that we're going to continue to see amazon and facebook especially because they put the biggest investment in this 
try to make this into a thing. Um, I don't know if it's actually going to become a thing in 2023 because you know, Amazon, well, Amazon's introduced a bunch of great tools in that, but the problem is the impressions on them are pretty low. Um, so the reach is just low. And I've talked to a bunch of people who go on Amazon and they don't even know those things are there. You know, it's how do you mm-hmm. find the Amazon live things? You know, you got to follow the brand, the brand can then alert you, then you can go to, it's not, it's not clean yet. It's possible they figure that out. Um, so I'm not, I wouldn't put it at the top of the list for saying if you're a small to medium sized business, you should be really focusing on this in 2023. It's more kind of, um, we should keep an eye on it to see if it mm-hmm. really starts to pop. Yep. Um, what about the rise of AI chatbots? This is a pretty easy one here. That was on half the list. Was yeah. Well, and judging by some, when some of them were written, the chatbots have have changed dramatically uh, over this yeah. amount of time, and uh, it' very interested to see how you know your Chat GPT uh changes this from you know more of a direct uh you know select your options right here's what's your question and then you kind of give it a path to walk through to having more uh realistic responses and things like that um so i i think that that was this was the number six most mentioned topic was ai chatbots coming in right which i think changed chat gpt dramatically changed everybody's or at least my perception of what a chatbot could be right because to me it was all decision tree stuff before it was kind of helpful but painstaking to set up and kind of clumsy and broke a lot and didn't always if customers had a specific question that wasn't in the tree it just frustrated them so there was a question of is it really beneficial or just something that pisses off a customer whereas mm-hmm. chat gpt kind of shows it can it can function a lot closer to a real person i guess for me for a small to medium sized business the question is going to be how do I train my chat GPT or my, my, just my GPT is the general term, right? Chat GPT is kind of their brand on it. Um, but how do I train, train this to talk, answer questions about my brand and not just go answer general questions that might send them to a competitor or something else? That solution isn't there yet. But I think with the explosion, we've seen an interest in AI-driven things like this and chat GPT's kind of proof of concept. I think, yeah, very, very much so this is going to become a big topic in 2023. And we might even see the first kind of real AI chatbots wandering into like Shopify stores before the year yep. gets too deep. Yeah, um, excited. Excited to see what Two other quick like. ones. Yeah, I'm, I am too. Two quick ones so, we're, so we can kind of keep on time here, right? Um, I'm going to throw both these out there. Okay, well, the last two, and then we have a bonus question at the end, but the last two are omni-channel and then AR and augmented reality and virtual reality. So first, omni-channel. Here's my quick take, Andy, and you give your quick take then. Omni-channel is on this list every year. Everybody talks about omni-channel every year. But really what most people, my belief is what most people say when they mean when they say omni-channel is multiple online channels. Omni-channel means you're going to make every appearance of your brand in every form be totally consistent and the same experience for the customer. That's what omni-channel really means. But when we get in conversations with Omnichannel with people, it's more about, well, Omnichannel means I want to be on Amazon and Shopify and Walmart. That's Omnichannel. Um, I don't even know if those platforms, because they're so rigid, the marketplace platforms and what they allow you to show and how they allow you to display. And, you know, you go on Amazon and it's an Amazon experience foremost. And then you try and work your branded experience into your listings, but it's a, it's so rigid. There's so much you can do. You're really kind of trying to massage photos. and a plus content down at the bottom of the listing. Uh, 
from a small medium sized business seller, how how relevant is omni channel as a big trend to watch out for? I th- I think uh, I guess as a small business, you got to focus on the channels that are have the uh, most uh, the best return back to your business, and yeah. it's less important to be everywhere and focus on stretching yourself thin around providing that same consistent brand experience on every single platform as it is to gain traction, grow your yeah. sales, and uh, uh, prioritize getting your money back to your business. So uh, yes, I mean, if you're if we wanted to take that sort of short-sighted view and say, oh, we want to be on the multiple platforms, yes, okay. But you know, focusing it uh, so you don't stretch yourself bit too thin and try to do too much is yeah. probably key. Well, that's, that's our issue with the crowd. With- with the kind of business we work with, it's if you try and be on every channel, you're going to get too thin because um, each one requires somebody to manage and watch it and you can manage multiple channels, right? But it requires attention. It requires money because you got to spend ads on that channel too. Um, and it's more important. What we run into more is just more important to focus on, okay, which channel do we want to add? And then how do we really get traction and growth on that? And then is there another one worth adding given what we have to kind of invest in time and resources to do it? And that be, that's the that's actually the bigger question in the in the real world for small to medium sized sellers than omnichannel in my experience, which is a great dream, but it's kind of a dream that's out there. Um, and to be honest, once you get past, you know, Amazon, Amazon, Shopify, Walmart, then the the targets become lower in priority because the volume is a lot less once you get outside of that too. eBay may be next at that point, but um, for if you're Nike, it matters. Because Nike's also then looking at in-store and everything else, and Nike store, you're looking at the grand experience. And you're if you're Nike, you're trying to do everything because you're trying to capture every bit of share you can, and you have a giant big budget to do that with. If you're a small to medium-sized business, that your your job is more about prioritizing and getting getting results from the things you focus on, not trying to do everything. Um, yep. The real quick last one here I want is, and because this has come up a lot, but augmented reality and virtual reality. This is one that's also on the list every year, but this time, I might look foolish, but I say I think this is actually going to be more impactful this year because it's it's on the list every year and really doesn't you know how many how many augmented reality selling experiences you say you've had in the last seven years, even though it's been on the list the last seven years is a big trend, right? Yeah, um, I think very few. I but I think for me, and then your your take, Andy. My take has been that with some of the proof of concept we've seen with combining things like chat GPT with AI image generators, at the very least, being able to show your product in a different way or create a short video about it or show it rotating around and doing things that you couldn't do as a small, medium-sized business, there's now a real possibility that, that, that this whole process of, I have to get photos, I have to get video done in a small company, I don't have the resource to do it easily. And it gets, that's frequently for us like uh, uh, one of the spots where things lag on getting a brand rolled out is getting the right video and and photo assets on it the possibility that that these kind of automated technologies could make this move a lot faster seem very real now and they didn't seem real it seemed like a cool thing to talk about over beers but not something that was really real for a small to medium sized business for it. to me and now it seems real for this year but what's your take i'm i'm a little further out on it than that i you know the reality of it is that producing you're making those efforts investing that time and money into things that are gonna help you improve your conversion rate and uh um 
yeah, just drive more sales in general. And I yeah. just don't know that AR VR is necessarily there yet for your small and medium sized businesses. You know, I, yeah. I, I and I'm love... thinking about it in very small, limited applications, right? When I get it, because yeah. those small, limited ones are exciting for me because they they matter. So even things like, okay, I have a product shot, but I don't have my lifestyle shots that I need for Amazon listing. Well, mm -hmm. I can take the stainless steel coffee mug and I can set it on a nice, you know, uh, marble top kitchen table. I can just tell the AI to go do that now. And that's, that's been done. I mean, we've been able to show you can do that now. Mm -hmm. um, even things like that to speed up parts of the process. Again, that's not the game changer. That doesn't turn you from a, from a six figure business to a seven figure business. But, uh, but it is it does seem applicable I mean, because yes. we kind of looked at it right now. I mean, if we wanted to turn on that in January, we could actually cobble together a stack that would allow us to do that in January, I think. So which makes it just is it is it going to be everybody's going to live in the metaverse with virtual reality? No, I think that's a bunch right. of um, that's a bunch of hype and bloat. But can I get my other product photos done quicker and more and faster? And can I create some different ad, uh, some different, maybe more effective uh, ad creative than I could before? Yeah, those might be small uses, but those seem like they're pragmatic uses for this coming year, right? Absolutely. That's where, that's where I am. You may say this farther out and you might be uh, right. But. I, I, I still think my understanding, and I think it's, I'm coming out of a limited perspective on the the image generation, you know, the Dolly, you know, type of uh, software that can do the chat, you know, the, the AI stuff yep. is still a little bit limited. So I'm going to, I'm going to say it's, it's a little bit, I although we agree, I agree with your point that, you know, if you, if you had the ability to say, here's this product photo on a white background and now put that same product into this type of setting and it looked really good. I think yeah. that could be a really a game changer for small and medium sized businesses. Yes. I I'm not I'm not clear on the the steps to get. We've us been there apart yet. some because it's been it's been travel during the holidays and we've been crazed. We've actually done some tests and we're going to do more in January. So we'll report back on this because I I think, I think we're not that far off here. right now even right uh, for being able to do it. One of one of our partners is very interested in this as a way to expand their image production capacity. So we've kind of gone down the we've gone down the rabbit hole a little bit on this one. Um, yep. For me to me. Uh, the leap from where we want to get to where we've already been able to do on a very limited timeline is we're not that far off. Um, bonus right. question though. Here's the bonus question. We'll finish this off with Andy. I'll start with you first. What were you surprised? Cause we have this whole list and it's a long list of things, but what were you surprised that on things that did not appear really at all on the list? Um, and we kind of went through things that were on at least half the list. Here's what we looked at, but um, yeah. what are things that barely got mentioned at all, or maybe only got mentioned like once or twice out of 12 lists? that you thought should have been higher. So I, to me, I'm going to go with um, sort of ads, data, integrity, tracking, um, attribution, unification of metrics topic. Uh, mm -hmm. So uh, tools like a triple whale that are, have their own sort of attribution model and, and their own way of looking at uh, results and pulling all of the data together. Uh, that to me seems like uh, something that should be gaining more hype and just, I, you know, it just yeah. wasn't covered to the same level as what we're seeing here. Yeah, I think we're going to see a lot of movement on that in 2023. And I'm surprised that wasn't on the list because if you look at 
like, I don't know if it's the top marketers gripe or e-com marketers gripe, but one of the biggest ones is just the degradation of things like Facebook's tracking and ability to target and ability to attribute correctly. And the gap, there's, there's less of an acceptance now about the gap between how Google and Facebook and other ad sources track things just differently and how hard it is to match them up. And there's people working on solutions for it. And if you look at like the top gripe, that's been one of the top gripes in the e-com industry is just how the, just how poor attribution has gotten or how less you can depend on it than you used to be able to and how critical Mm -hmm. it is. Um, And there's been solutions. And I would think that if there's that many people complaining about that, then more people would be excited about the solutions that are being developed and there are solutions being developed. So yeah, yep. I, I totally agree. That was one of the big ones for me. The other, the other one I'll throw in there was just based on how much hype TikTok has had about how it's the big new thing that it was only on one. It was only mentioned at all on one of the 12 uh, articles, which kind of surprised me. I, I, and I think part of that, you know, TikTok may have gotten overhyped a little bit. I don't know. It may be because people are being scared off by the privacy issues of which more have emerged on of concerns there. And it might be because their ad platform is still a little bit not quite ready for prime time yet. It's still difficult to use and it still doesn't have great metrics. Um, but based on all the hype, because TikTok was like the big hype thing and to have it only mentioned once out of 12 was kind of surprising for me. Yeah. Yeah. So all sorts of good stuff here. It's very interesting to see really how how organic search results work and how how different folks are looking at you know top trends in in 2023 but uh hopefully between our bold predictions last week and sort of an overarching view of what other people are saying people are getting a good sense of what to expect in 2023 and some and have some good thought starters as you're as you're ending 2022 and you're and you're getting uh, 2023 kicked off Anything else, Tim? Closing remarks? Nope. I think we're recording this on the very final days of 2022. It'll will it'll be published probably on the first very few sta- first days of 2023. So, nope. Just yep. closing out the year. This is this is one of the final things that you and I do together for the year. We have one more meeting coming up later on today. Um, but yeah, kind of good to bring 2022 to a close and jump into 2023 with a lot of these things in mind, um, things that are, you know, big swings, like we've talked about, or things that are probably sometimes more likely and more, a little more boring, but also bear attention like some of these. Yep. Yep. Awesome. Well, uh, appreciate everyone listening. I hope you had a wonderful 2022 and 2023 goes swimmingly. I hope you have a wonderful 2023. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you again next time. Thanks everybody. Thanks everybody.